Let's take our Bibles. Where are we going to turn this morning? Hebrews 11, that's right. Uh, one of these days, I'm just going to get up and have a totally different passage of Scripture and just preach on something else, amen? But we're not done with the lesson from last week. Uh, Hebrews 11, we'll read verses 1 through 3. Um, I'll quote Romans 1.17, and then we'll get into the, the lesson here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Romans 1.17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, as believers, the hardest thing we do is live by faith. I think the older we get as a believer, the more difficult it is, because we've experienced more with God, and we think we have it all figured out. But every moment is supposed to be a moment of faith, and we're to live from faith to faith. We're going to jump down to verse number 24. Uh, there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and look there, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We'll stop right there. Let's pray and we'll jump into the lesson. Father, help us this morning as we once again look at your word. Uh, Thank you for these examples, these illustrations you gave us of people who lived by faith. I pray you'd help us to glean some things this morning from the life of your servant Moses that will help us this week in our walk of faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to get a quick review of last week. Um, by the way, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to, to listen to that. I do record these, so if you'll go to my website, pulpitofflame.com, there's a section on media under podcasts. They're listed there, and uh, I would encourage you to do that. I'm going to go very quickly through the things we covered last week. The first lesson that we talked about with Moses, um, we talked about his refusing, his choosing, his esteeming, and his, and his forsaking, uh, and we, we looked at how he... He, he did some things. He chose to live by faith. And we talked about uh, we never become a committed follower of Jesus Christ by accident. There are, there are no Christians that just happen to become a good and consistent and fervent Christian. It's a decision you make, and Moses did. Last, uh, two weeks ago, we started the lesson on um, when he was come to years. We started looking at this, this time of when, when he was 40 years of age, when he, he decided to, uh, to walk with God or to, to, to serve the people of God. We talked about the origin of his faith. Now we know that Moses was, when he was born as a baby, he was put into the little ark and, uh, a bull, and put out in the bulrushes and, and he ends up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, was raised as one of, uh, of her, as her son and raised in the house of Pharaoh. And how did he go from being an Egyptian to being the great deliverer for Egypt, or for Israel out of Egypt? And we talked about how that he, somewhere he'd learned the promises of God. Somewhere he had, had learned about the God of the Hebrews. He'd learned about the Hebrews. 
You know, he was raised in a totally different culture, yet he was taught the things of God. Where did he learn that? Well, we saw that in verse 23. He learned it from his parents. Thank God for parents who dared to raise their children for God. Amen. So the origin of his faith was, was his parents. They, they're the ones who taught him. We talked about the timing of his faith. Look there in verse number 24, Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he was come to years. You know, we read that, sometimes we miss the context of what God is saying. You know, in the, in the New Testament, uh, we find all of these references back to the Old Testament. For every New Testament doctrine, there's an Old Testament illustration. And that's why they're there. They're, those stories are not just stories to sound good and to fill up pages on a book. They're for our instruction. They're to teach us. And so I, I hear guys, well, you know, I preach out of the New Testament. When Jesus preached out of the Old Testament. What are you going to do with that one, amen? Uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost preached out of the Old Testament. Uh, we need both, amen? And uh, God did not do away with the Old Testament. The New Testament shows us why the Old Testament was there. And so we see here the timing of his faith when he was come to years. And we think of Moses, you know, he's one of those guys on the list. Yeah, we would have included him. You know, I told you some of them we wouldn't, you know, Sarah, I don't know that I would have listed her. Samson, later on the list, I wouldn't have put him there. But Moses, oh yeah, yeah, the man of faith, standing before Pharaoh and leading the children of Israel. But that's not what God's talking about here. When God mentions Moses' faith, it was not when he had the rod of God in his hand, not when he was parting the Red Sea, not when they were marching through on dry ground, not when he was doing the plagues. It was when he was 40 years of age, God talks about being faith. In Hebrew, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 2, beginning verse 11, it says, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew and one of his brethren. He saw what was going on, and he responded to it. In uh, Acts chapter number 7, it says in verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian, was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. All of that stuff that God called faith happened when Moses was 40. He had matured. He had learned everything that Egypt had to offer. He was a mighty man. And he tries to, to deliver Israel in his own hand. He slays an Egyptian, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in detail this morning. Israel rejected him at that point. Isn't it interesting? We look at that, we would call that failure. God called that faith. That's the thing God highlighted. Just because you attempted something for God, and it did not work out the way you anticipated, doesn't mean you failed. It may just mean you stepped out by faith and God's not done with the story yet. You and I would have looked at Moses at 40 when he fled Egypt and, and went into the wilderness and became a shepherd. We would have said, okay, there's a has-been. No, it wasn't time yet. We're going to talk about that. Um, often, things that don't happen the way we wanted to is not due to a lack of faith. It's just due to the fact it's not God's timing. Look, if you want Acts chapter 7. By the way, you want to keep a marker in Acts 7 and in Hebrews 11 because we're going to go back and forth between those. In Acts chapter 7, in verse number 17, it says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. 
And so you see here, uh, this is talking about when, when, when the, they're getting ready to have the problem in Egypt. Verse number 18, Till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. The same dwelt subtly with our brethren, and evil entreated our fathers, so that they cast out their young children to the end they may not live. Uh, in, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nursed up in his father's house three, three months. We see when, it was, when the time of the promise drew nigh. God was working when Moses was 40. Israel didn't know it. In fact, in the life of, uh, life of the children of Israel, it looked like it was getting worse. You realize till Moses was born, they weren't killing baby boys? The Egyptians weren't having the, the baby boy, uh, Hebrew boys, thrown into the river till Moses came. No doubt the children of Israel thought this is the worst it's ever been. There's no hope, but no God was setting in motion the plan to deliver them. Just because our circumstances does not match up to our expectation does not mean God's not working. He was came to pass in the process of time. God had a plan, but he also had a schedule. I made the comment last week, and it's true in my life, the hardest thing that I deal with is I'm in a hurry and God's not. You ever been there? You know, God, give me patience today. You know, uh, you know, just, just came to pass. It says in the book of Exodus 22 and verse 23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage and they cried and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Yes, Moses was going to deliver Israel. Moses was going to be a prince and a judge over them. Moses was going to lead them. It was just going to be in God's timing, not Moses' timing. That's all review. Now we're going to get into the new part. All right, look back there in, in uh, verse number 24 of Hebrews. We're going to read this passage one more time. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We've talked about the origin of his faith, the timing of his faith. But today I want us to look at the consequences of his faith. These are the results. This is what happened in his life and in the life of the children of Israel because he had faith. Um, if you've got your marker there in Acts 7, flip back to there if you will. Acts 7, verse number 23. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit the children, his brethren, the children of Israel. Having, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. The first consequence I see of Moses' faith is this. He had a desire to act. He saw the condition of his people. He realized he was not an Egyptian, that he was a Hebrew. He was of the children of Israel. He knew that. 
And he saw the condition and he saw that something needed to be done. He saw that God's people were being mistreated. He, he saw that, that, that the society had turned against him. Do you realize that up until the, the, the Pharaoh died, that new Joseph, the Hebrews were, were protected people in Egypt? Why? Because it was Joseph and his telling of the dream that spared their nation. And the king knew that. But there came along a new king who didn't know Joseph, didn't know all of that, had not experienced that. And now he, he looks at, at the people of God as a threat. I think we're very much in that, that condition today in America. Moses looked around at his society and he saw a society that was against the things of God and he wanted to do something to make a difference. Oh, that God's people would want to do something to make a difference in their generation. I'd hate to think that, that when I die, no one would miss me. I'm not talking about just my family. I'm talking about spiritually speaking, ministry-wise. But Duke, I, I don't want to come to the end of my life and nobody ever noticed that I was there. You ought to leave a hole. Amen? There ought to be people that are wondering, what, you know, what do we do? Just yesterday um, in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, my good friend Ken Minipenny conducted a funeral for one of their longtime members, Brother Bill Webster. Brother Bill had been their church treasurer for about 25 years. He had a stroke a few years ago, and he passed away this week. I thought about them yesterday as he was conducting that funeral for that good man. You know, that church will never be the same because that godly man's not there this morning. We ought to want to live a life that matters. Moses saw something going on. He said, I need to do something. Uh, it's very much like David in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. I wish we had time to look at it this morning. But that's the story of, of David and Goliath, but there's way more than that in there. But I love the story when David comes to the, to the battle. He came because his father sent him. Uh, you know, you got the valley of Elah. you got the, the Israelites on one mountain, the Philistines on the other. And every day Goliath is coming out mocking the people of God. And nobody's doing anything. You know, send me a man to fight. Saul should have been the guy to step up. He was the tallest man in Israel. Bible says he was from the shoulders and upwards higher than the other people. It means he was probably uh, at least a head taller than everyone else, well over six feet tall. But he had to face a giant that was almost 10 feet tall. I'll do that with a bazooka, you know. But anyway, nobody was doing anything. David hears that and asks, what would be done to the man that takes care of that guy? And they mocked him for it. And he turned to his brothers and said, is there not a cause? This guy's mocking God. He's mocking the people of God. Somebody needs to shut him up. I love that in David. And David didn't do that because he wanted to be known as the giant killer. He just saw somebody mocking his God and decided somebody needs to fix that. I love Christians that have kind of, that kind of attitude. You know, David saw something needed to be done. God's name was being reproached. God's people were being reproached. And he stepped up and did what needed to be done. I love the story. Again, we don't have time to look at it. 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Children of Israel battling the Philistines. And, and, and Saul was there under the, uh, under the, the shade trees. And, and he's, he's got the armies around. And, and David and his, or I'm sorry, Jonathan and his armor bearer saw that there was a band of the Philistines up on top of this hill, and he said to his armor bearer, 
well, let's just go up there. See what will happen. In fact, let me read it for you in, 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 uh, in 1 Samuel 14, 6. And Jonathan said to the young man who, that bears armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. Think of this. He comes to his armor bearer, just him as armor bearer. He looks at him and says, Hey, let's just go up there and see what God will do. They were between a rock and a hard place, if you read the story. They climbed up on their hands and knees between these two rocks. They get to the top where the garrison the Philistines were. And in a half a day, they, or in the day, they slew uh, so, many Egyptian, or so many Philistines, they covered half an acre. Just, Dave, uh, just Jonathan and his armor bearer. Why? They just saw something that needed to be done, and they did it. When was the last time you just saw something that needed to be done for God and you said, it's going to happen. If nobody else will try it, I'm going to. I love that attitude. I love that desire. We could look at Acts 16 and we wanted to go there where Paul wanted to go here and God said no. He wanted to go there and God said no. Moses desired to do something. The consequence of his faith. Look back there again at Acts 7, 23. When he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Second thing about see the consequences of his faith, Moses wanted to make it right. He wanted to fix it. But this is where you've got to temper your desire with the permission of God. God hadn't told Moses at 40, kill that Egyptian. That was Moses' solution to the situation. He acted, but his action was driven by his flesh. All right, I'm a trained Egyptian. I'm a trained warrior. I'm not going to take care of that guy. And he killed him and buried him in the desert. He wanted to fix it. He had a good desire to see his brother and the children of Israel delivered. It came into his heart. I believe God put that there. But here's the problem. And this is where you get to that timing again. Look at verse 23 once again. We'll read it carefully. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. At 40, Moses said, I will visit the children of Israel. But God said in Genesis chapter 50, and verse number 24, through Joseph, and Joseph said to his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into a land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of his children, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from thence. At 40, Moses said, I will deliver Israel. What was the difference when he was 80? He realized God was going to visit Israel. The difference was at 40, yes, he was called. Yes, he was equipped. Yes, he had the desire. But God wasn't yet on the scene to make it happen. Moses took the situation in his own hands and decided he was going to fix it rather than waiting for God to keep his promise to visit the children of Israel. By the time he was 80, he figured that out. 
Moses had a good desire. But you understand, in his desire, he was putting himself in the place of God. It's interesting, in Joseph's life, when his brethren came to him, and, and he was, he, they were talking, you know, when he revealed himself to them, when they had come to him, and he was the head of, of all the food in Egypt, and they thought he was going to destroy them, he said, am I in the place of God? He said, no, that's God that deals with that. That's not me. Moses hadn't figured that out yet at 40. But he wanted to fix something. You know, that's one of the dangers of parents, always wanting to fix the stuff for their kids. What do you mean? Your kids make a mistake, and then we fix it so they don't have to suffer the consequences. That's how you get the snowflakes we have all over America today. I'm not talking about the ones out on the ground. I'm talking about the ones who've never been told no. The best word your child can ever hear from your lips is no. Why? Because sometimes God says no. There are limits. There are boundaries. And, and, and sometimes we, we try to shield our children from the consequences of their actions. We have a whole society built on that today. The problem with that is the kids never learn to deal with consequences. Uh, that's why I'm not in favor of participation trophies. I don't know if I have time. No, I don't have time for the story. Man, I want to tell that story. I don't have time. Somebody stop that clock, all right? Oh, man. You know what it does to your children when you fix all their problems? It robs the child from growing and learning from the experience. I'll tell you a real quick story. It's not the one I want to tell because that one takes too long. I'm a ventriloquist. I began doing ventriloquism when I was seven. My dad's a very accomplished ventriloquist. When I was seven, he got me this little figure. That's the correct term. We use the word dummies. That's not the real term, all right? <laughs> Puppet, you're, you're looking at that. But anyway, dad bought one for me, and it was not an expensive one. It was plastic. Then he bought a very expensive one, hand-carved, you know, moving eyes, the eyebrows, the whole thing. When I was 11... He had one built for me, custom made out of wood. Cost a lot of money, more than his. It was made by the, the guy that he wanted to make his but couldn't afford it at the time. And he had told me, he said, son, if you practice your ventriloquism every day, I'll give him to you. I'll, I'll, I'll have one made and I'll give you a brand new one. I'll never forget the day that Woody, as I call him, came. Dad opened the box pulled him out. He said, but son, this is a tough day. I ordered him just like I told you I was going to, but I've been watching you. You haven't been practicing every day. You miss most days. So Woody's not yours. He's mine. I'll let you use him, but you don't get to own him. That's when I was 11. When I went off to college at 17, I didn't take Woody with me. Dad reminded me. He said, no, nope, you didn't obey me. You don't get to keep him. That hurt. But after my first year in Bible college, I came home to visit. And Dad said, I got something for you. And he gave me the box where Woody was. He said, I've watched you now, and I know I can trust you. So he's yours. I thank God for that lesson. 
But when we step in like Moses did, said, I can fix this. Sometimes it's good just to let the things happen. I mean, the children of Israel had to deal with it. Uh, when they refused to go into the promised land, and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, I'm glad Joshua and Caleb didn't try to fix it for Israel. Because God had to teach Israel to trust Him day by day with the manna. They had to learn to trust Him day by day for their water. They had to learn to obey God. That's what all that was about. You know, I've seen the same in ministry situations where church members, or even sometimes church leaders, will see a problem and they think they know how to fix it without consulting the Lord and praying, without going to the pastor. They just try to fix it, not knowing the situation. Boy, does that cause problems. Moses at 40, he had the consequences of his faith. He desired to act. His act was driven by his flesh, his understanding. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Moses was going to be used of God. But God was going to do it in such a way everyone would know God did it, not Moses. Moses at 40 desired to do something for God. At 40 he attempted to do something for God. At 40 he acted on what he wanted rather than listening for the direct will of God. What's the next consequence? Look there in Acts 7 again, verse 23. When he was a full 40 years old, came to his heart to visit his children, the or his, his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing with them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. And he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver him, but they understood not. The third consequence was he was misunderstood. He stepped out. He was defending them. They didn't get it. Why? Because they didn't know God had called him. God had not put him in that position yet. The Hebrews witnessed his action, defending the Hebrew who'd been beaten. What they did not understand was who Moses was and why he did what he did. Often when God has spoken to one of his followers and placed a burden or a desire in them to do something for God, they will be misunderstood. Again, Joseph, his, his brethren did not understand his dreams. They envied him. His parents didn't understand his dreams. I mean, he was despised by them. The Bible says that when, when he told his brethren the dreams, when he told his parents the dreams, his father rebuked him. Here's the thought on that. Be careful about revealing what God is doing in your heart too soon. Let God develop what he's working on you and in you. Uh, let God mature the thoughts. Let him work the circumstances. Make sure you know what he's saying and how he is leading. He desired to act. His act was, was driven by the flesh. He was misunderstood. Um, there was resentment. Look again at verse 27 of Acts 7. But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and judge over us? Now the truth is, God was going to make him that. But not now. When Moses acted... Before it was time, the children of Israel, they resented him. They were not ready to follow him. It was not time, so they rejected him. Rather than accepting him as God's leader, they resented him and wouldn't follow him. 
You know, it's one of the dangers we have as believers, especially those of us in ministry, and we've been at it a while. We must be careful about what we do in the work of God because often we rely upon our own experience, our supposed expertise, and our own reasoning. And we'll do something because it just makes sense. Have you ever noticed that usually when God does something, it doesn't make sense? Amen? Moses thought he had it all figured out. Man, I'm trained as a warrior, and I'm a, I'm a natural leader. I've been trained in the way of the Egyptians. My parents taught me the things of God. I'm going to lead. That wasn't time yet. It's one of our dangers of mature, experienced Christian leaders. We've been there before. We know how God has done it in the past. We've done this. But none of that matters unless God is the one speaking and leading. Going back to what Duke said a little while ago, that's the difference between having a spiritual gift and being spiritual. We mentioned it last week. Just because you have an ability doesn't mean you're filled with God's Spirit. He gave you those abilities to be used in the house of God in the local church, but sometimes we act going by our own flesh rather than following the leading of God and having His power. It's like the Israelite, or the, the disciples over and over again. They went out to do something, came back, said, you know, we went out to preach, went to heal people, it didn't work. Why well, wasn't time yet? They were doing it in their own flesh. We see in the life of Moses the consequences of his faith. He desired to act. His act was driven by his flesh. He was misunderstood. It brought resentment. Oh, but here's the part I've been rushing to get to. The consequence of his faith was patience. How many of you like waiting for patience? Yeah. And I've heard people say, shouldn't pray for that. No, we're commanded to. We're commanded. We heard it during the revival. Add to your faith. One of the things is patience. So yeah, we're supposed to pray for it. We just don't like the process. <laughs> Amen? It's kind of like when, when Rhonda was expecting our first child, when Becky was about to be born. And Becky was late, several days late. And uh, when, when she was in labor, she said, I don't think I want to do this. I said, it's too late. <laughs> There's no backing out now. <laughs> Amen? None of us men understand that. You know, we just don't know what that's all about. I just know this. She threatened to kill me during that situation. In the delivery room. Oh, man, it was not pretty. It's a miracle I survived. But once the baby was born, you forget all that, you know. Patience. Moses tried at 40 to lead the children of Israel. He was 80 before he actually did what God put in. So you ever think about this? God took two-thirds of his life to train him for the last third. Well, that goes against our society where we want instant millionaires. The idea of actually going to get a job and working, saving money, earning something instead of just having it handed to you. Let me just say this. The win of the will of God is as important as the what. Amen. Let me say that again. The when of the will of God is as important as the what. This part of the Christian life is where all of us struggle. Once we believe we know what God wants us to do, we want to help him do it. That was Moses. He was right. He was God's choice. He was going to lead Israel. It just wasn't time. 
The result of Moses' faith is that he was willing to wait for God's timing. I want you to go to the book of Exodus quickly, and we'll give you the last thought. And by the way, we're not done with with Moses. There's one more lesson with Moses. But in Exodus chapter number 2, of course, we have the the, the story of Moses when he has to leave. Uh, In Exodus chapter 3, this is when he's keeping his his father-in-law's flock, and he sees the burning bush. Let's pick up the reading quickly in verse number 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he, and he said, Draw not thy... Uh, draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry, and by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and I will bring them out of the, that land into a good land, into a large and a land flowing with milk and honey, and unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites. Oh, no, that one's not in there. <laughs> now, therefore, just wake it, see if you're still awake. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore... And I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And, the Lord, and Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God says, I'm going to do what I promised. All the stuff I promised to Joseph, now's the time. I'm going to use, use you, Moses. And Moses said, Who am I? You know, God never answered that question. He never told Moses who Moses was. Uh, he, he says in the next verse, um, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I will send thee. Uh, and when thou hast brought forth the, children, the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And, God, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, Thy, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, Well, what is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am, the self-existing one, amen? And he said, thus shalt thou speak unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Moses said, who am I? God never told him. He said, you just tell him who I am. Because it did not matter who Moses was. That's what the 40 years in the wilderness was about. Moses, you got to forget all that stuff about being an Egyptian. What was the, the last thing that he learned? Humility. At 40, Moses thought he was the man. He was the one going to lead. He was the deliverer. At 80, he knew God was the deliverer. Over and over again, Moses would say, I'm not going unless you go. I'm not going to go forward unless you lead. It's not going to be me. It's going to be you. What a difference between 40 and 80. God often allows us to attempt things for him because of our faith, that we're not ready to do. Why does he do that? To build our faith. 
At 40, he attempted to do what he knew God had made him to do. And humanly speaking, he failed. At 80, he was willing to let God do it through him and he succeeded. What was the difference? Maturity and humility. Uh, Go back to Acts 7, if you will. This will be the last passage we look at. Give me just about another minute. We'll finish up. Acts 7, 34. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of, of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning and come down to deliver them. And now, uh, and now come, I will send thee unto Egypt. And this Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that, he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me him shall ye hear. What was the difference between Moses at 40 and Moses at 80? At 80, God sent him. At 80, God raised him up. God did not use Moses until Moses realized it was God, not Moses, that would deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. The origin of his faith. Thank God for parents that dare to raise their children for God. The timing of his faith. Letting God work those things out in his time and the consequences of his faith. The consequences were a desire. He was misunderstood. He attempted things and failed. There was resentment. He had to learn patience, and God taught him humility. And when it was the Moses, who am I? God said, now you're ready. Oh, let's be like a Moses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of your servant Moses. May we look into his life and may we realize without you we can do nothing. Thank you for the burdens and the calls you put upon our lives. Thank you for the desires you give us to serve you. May we learn to wait for your timing and wait for your power. And wait for the the, the exact situation when you tell us to step forward. I pray you'd help us to be like a Moses. That would just give our lives to patiently serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.